Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insights with Experts. Joining us here today, we are very, very fortunate to have Miss Romina. Now, Romina is a business design consultant at the chemistry team. In addition, she is also the founder and a blogger at Blaystar. Now, Romina, it is absolutely wonderful to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's rainy here in Singapore. It's pouring actually, but besides that, it's fresh and cool. Awesome. <laughs> so Romina, I gave quite like a rough macro overview of who you are, where you work and all that stuff. Can you maybe tell us what that journey actually looked like? Um, you know, what made you want to go into consultancy? What made you want to go in a fashion? What did that journey actually look like? So um, fashion has been my passion since I was um, a kid, like since I was a teenage, I was passionate about fashion. I was drawing fashion. I was reading about fashion. I was stuck on like the TV back then to watch the fashion show. And I would like just go to museum and like go to Paris and just like all those beautiful like stores and stuff. So it started from this. And I started last time when I was in 2011. And back then, you know, like blogging wasn't like a big thing yet, but it was more like a door to um, share with like-minded people and people that had the same interests, not only like besides your friend, it was the larger community. The, so that's what got me on Blast Eye. And because I was back in Switzerland, I was the first to start a blog. I was quickly referenced on Google. So there wasn't like this whole like trying to optimize for SEO or SEM back then. Um, it was kind of an organic reach. And um, while I was in the university and uh, studying business, uh, it kind of picked up. So I got invited to events. I got to collaborate with amazing brands. And um, after university, I just decided to go full-time for this. So it was super interesting. I learned so much uh, from people and the brand I've worked with. And next to it, I still wanted to, I had this kind of entrepreneur mindset, I'd say. So somehow the unconventional part uh, pass for like business students uh, because they're like oh let's go to the big consultancy and like banking especially in Switzerland so I was born and grew up there um, but then I was like no I'm just gonna do my thing you know so I went into that and had like a few different ventures on the side like um, with a few friends we founded like an association to promote the up-and-coming artists um, in my hometown and then also trying to uh, kickstart my venture so doing um, to a series of like startup weekends, trying to build a fashion intelligence system, major failure because I did not find um, like-minded people to continue this venture. Um, and yeah, so after this, I was like, okay, maybe you've done enough in the entrepreneurial world and you could learn also more from like a more structured environment that is the corporate one. So I joined as a social and digital media executive. That was my title back then. Uh, in Singapore, uh, in one of the luxury uh, watch retails. So it was kind of in the same fields. And eventually, um, what I noticed is that I was getting bored super quickly. So I needed like an environment where I could have like different projects to work on. So although it was quite interesting for the past one year that I was there, um, I implemented, um, it was more about digital transformation because I had to implement kind of like the, the digital um, department of the marketing there. And then I was like, okay, I want to continue doing that, but with many different clients. So I moved to Tokyo and I continued this consultancy job there. And then I was like, okay, marketing is fun, but I want more challenges. And this is where I ended up as a business design a consultant here at Chemistry. 
And what I try to do is bridge the gap between the, the business and design fields. So trying to develop product and service solutions that make sense for both organizations and users. And more specifically, I have a core focus in circular economy where, again, um, I lead some of our ventures there. So developing actually a spin-off startup at the moment in the circular economy. Yeah, that's uh, in a long nutshell. <laughs> no, that's really impressive. I, I really appreciate um, you mentioning how you're like consist consistently proactively undertaking additional challenges. Because I think, I think that really demonstrates your passion very well. And I, I think it's good advice for the youth to, to um, take on board, to always seek additional challenges and, and make the most of every opportunity and to keep moving on until um, you satiate that, that desire. Um, you mentioned some of your work revolves around the circular economy. What exactly is the circular economy and why do you think the youth of today should be paying so much attention to it? Um, so the circular economy, it has like hundreds definition online. So don't get suddenly surprised if you type on Google, like what is a circular economy and you have like hundreds definition. It has been like such. Uh, it is, uh, while the concepts and the approach is not new, we are still trying to figure out how, what is the best approach to implement the circular economy. And so what it is, um, I always refer back to one of the biggest um, actually reference in the industry that is Ellen MacArthur. Um, it is about like moving away from the take make waste economy essentially. So uh, that is a linear model. So what we are trying to do is essentially close the loop um, in the whole value chain. So starting from the very raw material to the end consumer. And so again, I'll quote Ellen Markrata, three uh, key principles, which is um, essentially designing out of wasted pollution. So how can you um, optimize the way you use essentially your different raw material, your materials and goods, and then um, keep product and material um, in use. So for example, like talking about recycling or talking about uh, refurbishing, remanufacturing, how can you essentially not just throw it away and it goes to the landfill or it pollutes, it just go back in a continuous cycle. And um, eventually there is also the um, regenerating natural system. So essentially uh, developing the whole like bio um, ecosystem. Um, or environment, so as in uh, when you throw an apple in the nature, it just goes back to the land, right? So it's um, not harming nature per se. But um, behind those three key principles, I think um, what is really important for circular economies to differentiate it from sustainability. Because I think there is a huge confusion, especially for other people who are out there, they're like, oh, circular economy is just like another thing for, another term for sustainability, which is not really true. Um, it does um, have um, the approach of making positive impact for the environment, society, and people eventually. But behind it, it's really about developing um, sustainable economic systems. So there is a monetary incentive behind for organizations who want to implement, or not only organizations, but also communities and people who want to implement a circular, um, circular business model. Yeah, so. I'd really quickly explore into the circular economy just a little bit more. And the reason being is because if we look at the demographic, demographic of the people that view these podcasts, they come from places all over the world, from lower income countries to high income countries. Some of them themselves are even entrepreneurs in perhaps lower scale businesses and higher scale 
business as well. So essentially what we have are these diverse range of viewers. And so that's why I wanted to perhaps talk about the entire concept of the circular economy. Now, famous economic models, for example, like the uh, economics Kuznets curve, essentially explains in short that to achieve that for an economy or for a firm to successfully achieve the circular economy, they would have to be at a certain level of scale because it's relatively expensive. I wanted to ask then, do you think that's true? Do you think that perhaps a smaller scaled firm or a lower income country can still successfully achieve the circular economy? And if so, why? Um, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> and I don't think there is like a, there, it's, it's, I think it's a challenge for everyone who wants to, big and small organization who wants to invest in developing circular business model. Um, I would say like bigger organization play also with a higher, um, they have higher resources to work with. So especially also wealthier countries have higher resources to work with. So I would guess like it is more challenging for smaller organizations. I wouldn't guess it. It is more challenging for um, economic um, um, developing countries or a smaller organization because they also have like bigger challenge at hand that are just immediate challenge, right? Versus uh, developing circular business model as it is right now, although sustainability has become like part of organization's agenda, um, it is still not the key priority in terms of budget allocation. So for example, just looking at marketing, right? Um, while people talk about like, oh, we want to do circular um, economy, et cetera, it's more a little bit of brainwashing behind because what are actually the steps that you're taking in order to develop the circular economy? Just by the fact that you're promoting your product or your services as it is, but just adding the green, like, oh, we're trying to be green, we're trying to implement like circular economy, doesn't necessarily mean that actually why you're, aren't you like investing those $10,000 in your marketing budget in order, instead of like printing those flyers that tells that both that you're a circular economy, why don't you invest it in like, for example, digital media, in developing like community or um, community growth differently, right? That's a marketing example. But I think generally speaking in terms of like smaller organization or developing countries, they, they should be able to do it. It's more like, what are your objectives of an organization? And that is like, I think something that's most important. So everyone can do it. It's more like, what is your immediate objectives and goal? And one thing that also in order for the circular economy to be fruitful and work, you need to collaborate. And that's one key essential thing that I also notice in my line of work. And um, as I'm developing this spin-off venture that's called Orbo.io, um, where we're trying essentially to, um, using blockchain technology as a mean, um, trying essentially to enable um, circular uh, economy for the value chain partners. So essentially it's um, ensuring that there is a circular governance and that you can measure the impact of your circular economy initiatives throughout this value chain. And so what we see is that everyone is willing to collaborate and everyone is willing to invest, but then it's not just that straightforward. You need to be able to think like what is competitiveness can become collaborativeness over time. I'm not sure that's the word, right term. Um, and so I think like in smaller countries or organization, you don't necessarily see that straight away, 
but at the same time you also have more opportunity because you're more nimble you're more flexible you're not structured so you can also reach out to other people you can also find ways to develop new products new services shift them redesign them for a circular economy so i think it's not really about like whether it's more difficult or whether it's more challenging it's also what challenges are you trying to address and what is your objective and goal as an organization or as a community i'm uh, not sure whether it answers <laughs> yeah and i think it did and i actually just wanted to quickly follow up with that statement that you made um because you're in your also you've also immersed yourself in the fashion world as well i wanted to ask do you try to incorporate this whole circular economy sustainable you know vibe into the work you do in fashion as well because i mean fashion there's been lots of talk about it lately as well in terms of how we can make it sustainable i mean it's this massive 2.5 trillion dollar global industry and there's lots there's lots in it there's lots of things coming out of the news as well about how that actual fashion is made and whether it is sustainable or not so i just wanted to get your opinion with that in terms of fashion like do you try to implement that in your work so um and it's an interesting question because the i've slowed down my blogging activities or influencer how they call it activities uh because of that because i was picking up more and more an interest in sustainability and circular economy and what i was talking about and what i was sharing about was promoting essentially consumption the wrong way and the way i wasn't doing it so you know like i was receiving tons of samples and i'm not going to complain because that's awesome right i was working especially with amazing brands like um european brands like zalando h&m uh, I mean, like L'Oreal, I, what a girl would dream, you know? And um, over time, I was just like, I'm receiving like so many mascaras, so many lipsticks, and I only have one, lip, like I only have two lips, right? So there's only that much lipstick you can wear or that many clothes you can wear as much as I love fashion still. Uh, it just didn't reflect what I was doing. And so that's why I slowed down. And I was kind of like, I need maybe some time to reflect. So it's been like two years now that I've, mostly slow down focusing on Instagram and in fact I'm trying to find a way to reintroduce and talk about what like my experience what I've picked up over the past two years working in people in circular economy different domains as well and also across Asia because I was born in Switzerland I went to Tokyo I've been now to Singapore and I've worked with international brands so I've been gaining uh, so much experience and what I've seen and what I see in fashion is that the main problem is because people are still looking for mass consumption and it is very much price driven like while there are many uh, studies and surveys that attest that people are willing to pay the higher price when it comes to like a clothing so you're willing to pay like maybe 90 dollars for a t-shirt that makes a positive impact being environmental or social right because there's so many issues with bangladesh for example or china or whatsoever country that produce in mass um, in masses, right? In the end, what people do is they really go to Uniqlo or H&M or whatever like affordable brands they are. And it's not their fault, you know? Like, I mean, if you don't have the money to afford a higher price t-shirt, then you're not gonna buy the sustainable option. And I think like we have to find a balance as organization and people how to adapt our current consumption model because 
what was introduced in the past like two centuries was not the case in the past century. So from the 19th early years, right? You own you had four seasons and you had two wardrobe. Like in the like in 1980s, like you had your couturier that would come at home, they would like take your measurement and like you do your whole wardrobe. So it was like a totally different concept and you did not have like consume, consume, consume. And I think it's fine like to wear your t-shirt for five years. Like we're not gonna judge you. But no, because of social media, it's become a point of judgment as well. So I think there is this whole like reflection that we have to make around like, how do you approach fashion, right? How can you find a healthy way to consume fashion for yourself? And as an organization, how can you make it simple also for those people? Because as much as like you are an organization, there are people running this organization. So you are as much affected as uh, another consumer you also shop for clothes it's an essential right so i do think like there is a huge and it's it's a huge challenge right now because like you were saying fashion is such a huge uh, waste producer i mean like uh, look at burberry and their inventory h&m they're like facing the they have the highest inventory and ever um you have then so many like chinese brand like that are leading like this mass consumptions even in electronics as well anyways i can get super I'm excited about this topic so no, I, find, I find that really interesting how you mentioned how social media has played a massive um part of of driving this this uptake in consumption you know it's it's this um we're appealing to consumers to constantly um sell more products and everything how how have you um found um social media helping to leverage your business have you you mentioned that transition from blogging to Instagram? What are the benefits you've seen from digitalizing your business in that way? Well, from the beginning, um, digital allow you to uh, break the boundaries and limitations that you have in a physical setting. So you can reach out to any target audience that you that you have or that you've set, right? You can reach out to across the borders and um, different people from different walks of life. So I think like as a business, going online and digitalizing your business is so more re than relevant, especially during those strange times where there are so many economic lockdowns on and off. We never know what's gonna happen in the next month or in the next weeks, right? Um, being digital allow you to um, reach out and make sure that you can keep on doing your business and but that that side of it you have to be able as well to be flexible and have flexible in terms of operation and also how you define your product or services so um for example blogging was not really relevant as it is right now because um, i was more sharing about contents uh, visual visual contents and a bit of copy as well i mean a lot of copy as well but people are more consuming like videos. I mean, look at TikTok, it's so fun. Then you have Instagram, et cetera, right? So um, I think that was just the right move because I wanted to create quick content that people, a bite-sized content and information that people um, could read. And, but I do like, I've noticed that people also do enjoy going to website, not necessarily blog per se, but at least like have a platform where they can read. So it, does it need to be a blog or can you use other medium, like actually medium or, um, you know, like other like news article? I don't think we need to reinvent the loop again and like create new blogs, et cetera. But I think, again, you can collaborate and find like um, 
people you can share it with, like on podcasts, etc. I, th- I think with the pandemic, it's it's more pertinent than ever how um, the appeal of, of digital platforms. You know, we've seen such a massive uptake in in online shopping and stuff. So I think what you've said, what you said, is definitely relevant. I really appreciate that. I just wanted to explore a little bit further um, because what it kind of came off to me uh, when you're answering the first question, which I asked you, is it's kind of like a Bruce Wayne kind of why, uh, vibe in the sense that you have this one aspect of your life and it's like, you know, fashion, blogging, all that stuff. And you've got this other aspect of your life and it's like corporate consulting and all that stuff. And I wanted to ask you, what have you, I mean, have you found that that's kind of helped you in, in any way, having these two separate initiatives or just having multiple initiatives as a whole? And would you recommend it to perhaps a youth to take on multiple things at once? So actually when, um, I mean, hmm, uh, so it is true that I have like my digital self, <laughs> my real self. So what you see right now is more me talking like my real self, I guess. Because when you, I think it's just like, I highly create the content that I share online and how I appear online. So people can think um, or I can create an image of myself and that is fine. And that is exactly what I want. And to answer your question, it was for me important to differentiate those two. Um, And for me, um, in some ways, like what is my corporate or consulting life or my line of work is more like my personal stuff like i enjoy working and i don't necessarily need to share about everything on social media but what i do share on social media is content and information that i want people so for me social media is not sharing about me only like i don't want to be that influencer but I want to share with a community. I want to spark conversation on a topic I am interested in. And I hope you too are interested in. So I think like this is how I differentiate the both. Like Blast Style that I have right now is for me an outlet to discuss about various topics that are in line in my line of interest, right? Versus what I do in the consulting world is for my personal growth, trying to understand like how can I grow my skills, et cetera. So very differently than what I share on social media, I work with government bodies in Singapore and I work with small SMEs and larger organizations. I do training and workshops and you'll never see me doing that on social media. So I guess that's like the balance that I found and I do enjoy the, the both. I'm also, I think a little bit hyper, so I need to have always something going on. So, yeah. That's great. And um, if you could leave the youth with one piece of advice, what would it be? So, I'm not wise enough to give too many pieces of advice. But I'd say like one thing, um, like don't dwell on an idea, just go for it and do it. And uh, because of social media, because there are so many like seven ways to become successful or like seven habits that entrepreneurs do like maybe they might not be yours so it's fine and pursue your ideas invest it so that you don't regret i think that's like the thing like i've noticed that sometimes i just like i'm a potato cow like and just like do nothing and i hate myself when i do that and i feel so much more um 
like full of like doing stuff and like not dwelling on ideas but like doing them so be a doer I guess that's such a standard basic advice but yeah that's mine <laughs> thanks for listening in this podcast has been brought to you by Desera a platform designed to bridge the gap between the youth and professionals you can read more about us at desera.org And you can also check out the section titled Insights with Experts, where you can submit your questions that you might have for future experts and industries that you would like to learn more about. And you can also refer in any experts that you might know yourself.